Welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save, and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to firethefamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to episode 15 of the Fire the Family podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me here today. And it's a very special day for many reasons. Um, Number one is it's Christmas Eve. Um, I know what you're thinking, probably. uh, Why are you recording an episode on Christmas Eve? Shouldn't you be spending that with your family? Well, Number one, everybody's napping, except for my wife. She's busy slaving away in the kitchen, uh, making a pumpkin roll, which is one of my favorite desserts. It's so good this time of year. Amazing. Um, Second is everyone's napping. Uh, It's a good time for me um, with having three kids and working full time during the week, um, getting a little bit of time here during nap time to make some content. Uh, Sometimes I use it to make blog posts. Sometimes I use it to make a podcast or um, some graphics for the website or some free content for you guys to use. Um, That's how I like to spend it. So I could be spending it playing Xbox um, if I had one. Um, We have a Nintendo Switch, so I could be spending it playing Nintendo Switch. but that's the alternative. Um, but nope, I choose to um, put it to work here. Um, I want to talk today. The other, well, the other reason it's special is because last night was my nine-year anniversary. Whoop, whoop. Shout out to my amazing wife for putting up with me for nine years. It's been quite a ride and um, I've loved every minute of it. So it hasn't always been sunshine and rain, rainbows. It sounds like a, um, a fairy tale story when I talk about it, being married for nine years from the age of 19, joining the military, having three kids in our 20s, uh, going to college and all that, and earning multiple degrees with zero student loan debt, uh, zero medical bills from having the kids, like all that, the whole shebang. It sounds like a really great, like, you know, fairy tale Disney type story. Um, and that's not the case. That's not, um, that's not always uh, how it is. It's not always um, super great. It's sometimes very difficult. Sometimes it's extremely trying and uh, being married is not easy. Um, no matter what anybody tries to tell you, it's very difficult uh, sharing a life with somebody else and um, really learning to understand how that person works, how they operate, how they think, uh, what their behavior patterns are like, how they spend their money, um, what their dreams are for the future, and all that comes with um, a whole additional life. And then you add multiple lives on top of that and things just get super complicated. So uh, I'm here to talk about that with you uh, today and a little bit about um, money marriage problems. So I wrote a post um, early November called Solutions to Common Money Marriage Problems. And I also provide a free checklist uh, for you to download on the website called the Money Marriage Checklist. And the nice thing about that is it's completely free. You don't even have to give me an email. You just download it from the website and you can use that to talk to your spouse about your money. I don't want to say problems, your money. You can talk about your, um, your, your, you know, uh, future, uh, your past, your present, um, debt, income, uh, savings. Uh, do you want children someday? All of the above. So the money marriage checklist is uh, a full page. 
Um, just talking about money topics. And the nice thing about it is that it's a like a third party authority that you can kind of lean on rather than putting it all in yourself. And maybe your spouse doesn't want to talk about their finances. You can just say, Hey, I listened to this guy's podcast. Uh, he's got a family. They talked about these things growing up as they were maturing in their adult life in their early twenties. And they learned how to work this stuff out the hard way. Um, and he listed it here for us in a checklist form. So let's just go through it and talk about some of this stuff and see where we're at. Um, I'm a firm believer in combining your finances after marriage. I know there's a whole lot of people out there that'll disagree with that. Um, but, uh, I'd love for you to change my mind because there's no there's nothing about it that I've ever seen on the other other side of the argument that is convincing enough um, to not combine your finances when you get married. And as my uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time from the popular Dave Ramsey is, if you can't combine your finances, you can't combine your life. Finances are such a big part. Uh, it's like it's like um, couples that get married and have two separate religions. Uh, it's very similar to the same type of problems that they'll run in with that. Or if you get married and one one party wants to have kids and one party doesn't, and that's a very difficult thing, difficult bridge to cross. Um, so we're going to start talking about money problems in marriage. Uh, money can be a blessing. It can be a really great thing for your marriage if you know how to manage it properly, if you're both on the same page. Um, but it can also be like a really big curse. It can be um, the bane of most of your arguments. It could be... Um, it could be the cause of a lot of heartache and, and, and sadness in your marriage, which ultimately would lead to a road that you don't want to go down. You got married for a reason, and that reason is that you want to share your life together. And there's no sense in sharing your life together if it means that you're going to be unhappy and you're going to have an unpleasant experience. Because you know what? You only get one of these things um, unless you believe in reincarnation. So um, money marriage checklist, we talked about that. Go to the website and download it. It's yours free, my gift to you. Um, here's some common money marriage problems and some solutions. Um, poor financial communication. Uh, communication is everything. Um, if you don't have good financial communication, um, that is a problem. You can solve this by setting up periodic meeting dates with your spouse. Um, basically a time to discuss your current financial state and where you're headed in the future. Um, really just knowing um, a little bit about the other's um, perspective and their how they were brought up with with uh, with money. Um, so my wife and I, Kayla and I, we like to, um, we, we enjoy doing this over a glass of red wine and opening up our budget app. Um, I find that if um, if I just open up the budget, budget app and I start asking questions that um, it kind of sets both of us off in a you know, kind of a thought pattern that we don't want to go down. Um, but if we are relaxed, if it's later in the evening and uh, we talk about some of these things, uh, it just flows so much better and uh, we can, we can solve some of the things, work some of the things out, um, without arguing, without having, you know, big di uh, disagreements and, and such. Another problem is salary differences. Um, we have had basically every range of salary difference you could you could possibly have, aside from me like completely making zero dollars. Um, a lot of times in our marriage, I've been the one that makes the the salary income. So when we got married, uh, I didn't have any money to my name. I had zero dollars, and I had like a thousand dollars in debt for the engagement ring that I bought my wife. I was working at the roller skating rink of all places. Because that was one of the few places that would hire me knowing that I was going to leave town to go um, into basic training. So I worked there for about nine months and um, saved up enough money to, to get to put a down payment down and then take the rest out on loan uh, for my wife's wedding ring. And 
you know, super exciting thing to do. Not super smart at the age of 18, 19 years old. My wife had about $3,000 to her name. She was a, a, a server at Red Lobster and made pretty decent money in tips, but she was very responsible with her money and always set some aside for savings. Um, and she, you know, supported herself in the in the way that she had, like she paid for her own car, her own insurance, her own gas, her own car, uh, cell phone payment uh, while living at home with her parents. And she was going to the local branch campus university. Um, so she had about $3,000 to name when we got married and I had zero. Um, we got married after uh, basic training in between basic training and tech school uh, during Christmas exodus is what they call it because everybody leaves the uh, the training base and goes back to their house or wherever they're going to go on Christmas. We get some time off to go and do that. Um, anyway, so salary differences. So once I had joined the Air Force, I had a salary. I made eh, it was like 900 something dollars a month um, back in like 2010, um, not counting housing and insurance and all that stuff that they provide all the benefits. Um, and so I, I was making, you know, probably about $20,000 a year, not counting those benefits uh, in the Air Force. Um, at the time, Kayla was a stay-at-home mom. Well, she continued to work at Red Lobster in Wichita, Kansas for a little bit when we got to my duty station. Um, but after that, she stayed home once we had our first kid. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom for about a year um, while I went on my deployment. I, de- I deployed from the when my son was the age of four months to about nine or ten months old. And then when I came back, she got a job at a local gym and worked in the daycare at the gym. And then she worked at a a preschool, um, church preschool that was um, in our town. And so since then, since about 2011, my wife worked part-time in preschool or daycare uh, situations where she was making probably about $800 to $1,000 a month. And she was also largely raising our kids because I was working full-time. So that can set you up for arguments, uh, disagreements, make one person feel less than um, if one person is earning a higher level of income than the other. Um, they can just feel less like of a person, kind of like a lot of people attach their um, their ego or their um, identity with their income. And if you have a lower income than the person that you're living with, you might feel like they're supporting you. And um, what I, my role in that is not making my wife feel bad about my income. Like, Hey, I make more than you, or Hey, I can afford to go buy myself clothes because I have a higher income. And no, and that's what, what combining your finances is all about. Because early in our life, um, I was largely supporting her and our kid, um, and with my income. And I didn't see it that way though. I see it as, as it's a combined thing because if something were to happen to me, if I were for some reason to not be able to work or if I got injured, um, then I would, uh, she would be supporting me. And that's just kind of how life works. And I figured there'd be some time in the future where she would probably make more money, um, you know, whether that's now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Um, and she may even make more money than me someday. Um, it's just not fair. It's our life. We combined our life when we got married. Um, so having salary differences is, is one way that you could have a money marriage problem. But um, you should just be encouraging each other and supporting each other. And it's one team, one fight. It's not me versus you. It's not, you know, it's not me is better than you. It's just no judgment. It's we are doing this together. We have the, our goals are in line. Um, and it doesn't matter who makes more money. Um, we're all fighting towards the same thing. <clears throat> you can have different money beliefs. So as adults, our belief systems are largely a result of our upbringing. Um, a lot of our behavior patterns, the majority of them are actually, you know, from our upbringing and, and our perspective and, um, what we've learned, you know, as young people growing into adulthood. Um, and uh, you know, as we age into adulthood, we're able to, to kind of take a look at how we were brought up, uh, what our parents' beliefs were about money and what, how they talked about money, how they handled money. And we can kind of see that, um, 
from a different perspective, I think. And um, so I, I grew up with a lot of arguing in my household and um, not to take anything away from my parents. They were wonderful parents. And um, I think that they did a really great job with, with um, you know, what they had. And I always like the saying that when you have kids, you, they don't they don't come with any sort of a manual and um, you can't learn everything from a book. And so um, parenting is extremely difficult. It's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And um, I think my parents did a wonderful job. Um, that's not to say that they didn't have arguments, that they didn't fight over money, especially this time of year. Um, and we always had great, you know, great Christmas and Christmases and stuff. And um, I think that, that sometimes they may have overextended a little bit to provide that to us, which um, I'm super appreciative of. Um, don't want to take anything away from that. But I also see that maybe not the best financial choice and was a cause for unhappiness in a marriage. Um, and so I think that money beliefs are extremely important. So learning what the other person's money beliefs are, uh, sitting down with my wife and really learning what she thinks about money and how, um, how she plans to handle it and her dreams for the future and how much money makes her feel secure. Um, and just kind of getting to know her on that level, uh, is extremely important and has been extremely important in our marriage. Having a lack of savings. That's a huge money marriage problem. Um, anytime Kayla and I start feeling super stressed about money, typically it's when our savings or emergency fund is low. Um, and I mean low as in like sub $10,000. Um, we like to keep at least that much in an emergency fund in case something were to happen. And I talk about that in other episodes as well. Um, definitely want to talk about the best money uh, method or best method for achieving financial independence, which is budget. Uh, e is for emergency fund, S is for savings rate, and T is for total stock market. And so if you put those four things in place, you're going to have a pretty um, awesome financial future and you're more likely to reach uh, financial independence that way. Um, so anytime our money is low, we start feeling stressed and get a little irritable and grumble about our finances. And um, it's a pattern that we get into. And, and so really making sure that we keep our emergency fund flush so we don't feel that stress around each other. Um, and there's no resentment and there's no like, hey, you spent too much money on coffee this month. Uh, maybe tone it down a bit and, and saying things passive aggressively. That just leads to real, a lot of negativity uh, in your marriage. And um, being able to avoid that is extremely important. Another money marriage problem that's common, and luckily it's not something that we've ever ran into, is having um, secret money. I uh, also talk about financial ind- infidelity, and um, really what that means is is that like if you're hiding money from your spouse, if you're stashing money away from them um, for the purpose of them not finding out about it, there's not a lot of difference between that and basically cheating on your spouse. Um, obviously, it's a lot different, uh, but the, the thought process is the same. I'm doing something so they don't find out about it, because if they were to find out about it, they either wouldn't allow it or they wouldn't approve of it. And anytime you do that in a marriage, no matter what the subject is, um, whether it's another woman or another man or money, um, it's the same. It's the same thought process. So it's it's um, it might only be twenty dollars here and there, but it's a bad process. It's a bad habit to get into in your marriage. You shouldn't be keeping things from them. They should they should have the transparency to know um, how much money you're making and where it's going. Um, and so that can be a huge problem if if you're stashing. You know, especially if that twenty dollars you know a month leads into a hundred dollars a month, or you're just kind of amassing your own secret wealth. Um, that's not helpful. That's not helpful at all in a marriage. Um, and when it comes time to help or when it comes time to have an emergency, um, I out, you're going to reach towards that secret stash and help out. And so that money could be going towards a lot of good. It could be getting invested. Um, it could be um, going to your emergency fund. It could be going towards Christmas presents. It could be, um, it could you know, there's so many things that that money could be going towards rather than just stashing it behind your visor. Um, I just don't think that that's the best thing your spouse should know and should be okay if you want to go spend, you know, $100 on clothes or um, whatever it may be. That's something you need to communicate about and put in your budget. 
Another money marriage problem is overspending on the kids. I touched on this a little bit a minute ago when talking about Christmas, and that's the best time of year to overspend on your kids. Everybody does it. Um, it's so easy to do, and the bills just, you know, the, the, the payments just add up when you're buying things, especially if you're buying them on credit card. Um, we have a specific item in our budget for kids stuff. This is anything from clothes to school supplies, um, but we have a set amount that we're willing to spend each month on kids stuff. So when it comes time for Christmas, uh, we don't have to do a lot of clothes shopping. We don't. We can just kind of stick to toys and books and uh, some of the gifts that we want to get them. Um, but budgeting for it throughout the year keeps you from really having to do it all at once and having to come up with that money. Um, and so overspending on the kids is, is super common. And, and what I remember, um, and I, I hope you do the same when you were a kid, um, when I remember back to the gifts that I got when I was young and, and it was Christmas time, it wasn't the amount of gifts that I got. I really only remember a couple gifts that I got for Christmas. I remember my Xbox. Um, I remember my bicycle. Um, and thinking about it, I don't remember a lot of the other gifts that I got for Christmas. And because it's not about quantity, it's about quality. It's about getting um, the things that the kids want. Um, and so like my son asked for something specific for Christmas. And so we just make sure to make that the first thing that we get. And then if we get him a few more things and we could surprise him with, then wonderful. Um, but going overboard on quality, quantity isn't, isn't where it's at in my opinion. And that hasn't been my experience. And so maybe think about that when you're looking at Christmas time and, um, you're wanting to get your, your kids a whole bunch of gifts, maybe just go for quality over quantity. I think that they would definitely be appreciative of that. And while they like opening gifts, I think there's a point and we've seen it in our own kids where they've reached a critical mass where they cannot open any more gifts. And they're like, just beat and they just want to play with the gifts that they have. Um, so we've had to ask family to sort of back down a little bit on how many things that they buy them and just kind of keep it on more of the quality uh, aspect. Um, and the other thing is keeping finances separate. This is a money marriage problem. Already touched on it a bunch in this episode, um, but it blows my mind really that people uh, recommend that people keep them separate after marriage. Kind of a funny story. When Kayla and I got married, uh, she went to withdraw money out of her bank account, about $3,000. And the teller basically was like, are you sure you want to do that? You don't, you sure you don't want to keep a little money aside? And she's like, well, why would I? I'm getting married. And she's just like the lady just kind of looked at her funny just in case it doesn't work out. And statistically, she's probably right. Um, is that the teller's place to tell my wife that? No. Um, but uh, that's the sad truth of, of the matter is that um, people doubt marriages. I mean, people find out you're getting married, especially especially at a young age. Um, Kayla was flying to Wichita to live with me after we got married uh, because when I came back, we got married by the court during Christmas time. And then we planned a wedding for that next summer. And so um, Kayla was able to come down and live with me, which is why we did that, why we got married by the court uh, about nine months early, eight months early. Um, so once you're married, the Air Force will pay to move your spouse down there with you. They'll move their things and their items. So Kayla was flying down to Wichita, Kansas to my duty station to live with me. Um, and super excited about that, right? Well, she's sitting in the um, terminal at the, at the airport and an elderly lady was sitting next to her and was talking to her a little bit and found out she just gotten married and um, proceeded to tell her that she is too young and missing out on life experiences by getting married at such a young age. Um, and that's like coming from, especially coming from an older person, like that's a really difficult, difficult advice to get. And I think it, it hasn't rung true in our life. We've had amazing experiences and better experiences, more experiences, more rich experiences than we would have ever had, had we not gotten married at, at the age that we got married at. Um, I'm so thankful for my wife and all the experiences that we've had together and the experiences that are yet to come. And um, it's been our experience that combining our finances, communicating about finances, um, 
being on the same page when it comes to our financial dreams and working really hard to maintain a budget um, and keeping each other on the same page when it comes to that budget and then pushing each other to um, to increase our income um, have all been really important things in our marriage and have really helped us to um, to not fight, to not have those arguments, um, to, to be secure, to feel secure in our marriage. And there are things that I think are really important. And if you can implement those and you can, you can steer away from some of the negativity that surrounds money in a marriage, um, you can avoid a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. And you can just, you can just pour the love into your relationship and, um, and have a really rich life. And it's worked really well for us in the nine years that we've been married. And I I can't wait to see what um, the next nine look like. Um, By 2030, we'll have been married for 20 years. And uh, that's scary to think about because I'm only 28. Um, But uh, it's been such a great experience, you guys. And and, um, I I wish you the same. I wish you the same type of experience in your marriage, whether or not you're there right now, that's okay. You can get there. Um, They're not difficult topics. What's difficult is implementing them. So starting with the the money marriage checklist, download that, take a look at it. I mean, just pull pull it off the printer, show it to your spouse and say, what do you think about this? Is there anything on here that, you know, that you think we're, we're, we're missing or that we could do better at? And I guarantee you that there is. And then there's a bonus page on there, uh, about half of a page about the fire movement, about financial independence, retire early. And once you get, um, once you get the financial stuff in place, there's really no other path for you to go other than, than invest saving, investing, and, and making sure you stay on track for your financial future. Because the truth is, is we all need to retire someday. We all need to become financially independent someday, whether that's 65, uh, the traditional age of retirement, or that's 45. Uh, the, the only difference really is is the amount of money you're able to save and invest and the, the consistency and time that you're able to do that with. So I wish you the best and thank you so much for spending time with me here again on another episode. Check out some of my past episodes. Um, I hope to see this channel continue to grow and um, continue to improve. So thanks again. I wish you a Merry Christmas. Have a great Christmas Eve and um, hope to see you on the next episode.